G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Investing God's way in turbulent times. And great to be able to talk about those turbulent times and about biblical principles of investing today. Alex Cook is joining us. He's our guest. He's founder and executive director of Wealth with Purpose. And now this is an organization, a ministry that's set up to equip Christians to honor God with their finances. So teaching sound financial planning skills uh, with a biblical foundation. Alex is a certified financial planner. He's also a former stockbroker and these days shares his life between Australia and Argentina. So we'll be opening our talkback lines through the hour. You might have your own contribution to our conversation. You might have a question. You might have a comment when it comes to finances and these turbulent times we are in. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Let's welcome our special guest, Alex Cook. Hello, Alex. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. It's great to be with you. Alex, I should just say, because there might be a very, very slight little delay on the telephone today in our conversation, because we are talking to you, as I mentioned, sharing your life between Australia and Argentina. So we're on the phone today. You're in Buenos Aires. Yes, that's right. It's uh, nice and late here, about 11, 11 o'clock at night. Right. Well, I wasn't going to uh, be too... Uh, uh, look, I'm, I, my apologies, in fact, for setting it up be, being so late at night. But uh, thanks so much for your uh, for your humble. No problem uh, at all. Uh, you know the way that you responded to that and you said, "Yes, I'll be on uh, 2020." But uh, it is late at night there in Buenos Aires. But let's hope you're not uh, too tired after a big day, because I'm sure there'll be listeners who'll uh, appreciate your wisdom and input through this next hour. Alex, let's get into what we want to talk about today, because if we're talking about investing God's way in turbulent times, uh, when we use that terminology, turbulent times, you're monitoring things, how they look around the world. Uh, just how turbulent do things look when you look at uh, the global economies today? Yeah, look, I think they are very turbulent. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's lots of current things going on that capture people's attention on any particular week. But what I try and do is look beyond those things and look at what I call some of the longer-term issues. Uh, I mean, some of the current things, for example, are things like the uh, you know terrible refugee crisis um, in the Middle East going into Europe. And then, of course, uh, there's the slump that people have been talking about in China because their stock markets plummeted over 40% over the last uh, couple of months. And people are wondering, you know, what impact that'll have on Australia. But as I say, what I try and look at is what are some of the longer-term issues and ask ask the question is, what impact would that have on investors? And they're the things that I'm happy to share with you now, if you like, um, that I think people should be more focused on because these are the things that you you really need to be mindful of when you're investing 
uh, money in general, uh, and certainly at the moment during these more turbulent times. Okay, so let's look at uh, the longer-term issues. Now, if just putting yep. those longer-term issues in a context here, uh, because as a Christian, as someone who wants to have a biblical foundation to the way that I might deal with money, uh, it's important, isn't it, to not just be short-term focused, but longer-term. Uh, let's, let's talk about longer-term issues. Absolutely. Well, look, I actually say to people, uh, when you're thinking of investing from a Christian perspective, uh, is to go, I'd use even more dramatic words on long-term, and I'd use the word eternal. Um, and that is that when we're investing, yes, we need to adopt you know, normal contemporary uh, investment practices, but we should have an eternal focus. In other words, with the money we're investing, what is the purpose behind it? You know, I don't think as Christians we should be accumulating wealth for no particular reason, you know, just, just for hoarding away and storing away money that's never going to be used. As Christians, we're called to be stewards of the wealth that God has blessed us with and to then use that money uh, to advance his kingdom. So uh, that's the, I guess, if you like, the big picture perspective of having that long-term eternal perspective. Um, but certainly when we're dealing with investments, there's the, you know, the long-term issues in the natural world, the things that we need to face, um, and things like, for example, the massive debt pile uh, that has accumulated in, in the Western world. Um, just by, by way of example, if we were to look at the United States, uh, the United States now currently owes $60 trillion dollars um, that's 12 zeros, a staggering uh, sum of money. Um, and that's broken up into uh, roughly about $17 trillion in government debt, uh, a similar amount in private household debt, in other words, home mortgages and car loans and student loans, etc. And then the balance of that debt is uh, business debt and so forth. And the big question on people's minds should be how, when, and if that debt will ever re be repaid. Um, my feeling, of course, is that it won't. It's that it's now that big, and it's consuming so much of uh, of the country's current consumption just in servicing the debt. Um, Japan is another example. Japan's actually technically much more indebted than the U.S. And just to give uh, your viewers uh, or listeners, I should say, a uh, insight: Japan's current budget, roughly a third of it goes in interest alone on their debt, just paying the interest bill. So not actually paying the debt back in any way, but a third of the government budget just goes to servicing interest. And that's with interest rates at less than 1%. So you only have to uh, imagine what would happen if interest rates went to 2 or 3%. Essentially, the entire government budget would be consumed in interest repayments alone. So as you can see, these are some of the... The debt is one of the, the big issues um, that people should focus on. I guess people think, how big can the debt get? Because uh, with debt around the world, uh, as you say, uh, in the United States, and you're using Japan too uh, also as an example, these countries, and you would say Australia too, we would say these are rich countries, but rich countries with huge debt... Uh, at what point does yeah. does a country become, uh, in you know, in business terms, insolvent, uh, where uh, the debt outweighs the uh, the capacity to be able to repay that? And and of course, if you're trying to do something uh, worthwhile in investing, how does that impact on an ordinary person's investment strategy? 
Absolutely. Great question. Look, um, just to address the first part in terms of at what point does it become a problem, uh, interestingly enough, there's been a lot of academic research done since the global financial crisis of 2008, and there is no conclusive answer in the sense that most countries have different situations. So, for example, the interesting one, if you were to compare Greece to, say, Japan. So, the level of debt in Japan in percentage terms as well as in absolute terms is actually much worse in Japan than it is in, say, Greece. But the question is, why has Greece then had such a big crisis uh, and Japan has not? And there's a few reasons for it. The first one is the fact that Japan has its own currency and has been able to therefore devalue its currency against its trading partners, uh, making the, the debt much more manageable. That's the, the first thing. The second thing that's interesting with Japan is that 97% or 98% of the money is owed internally. It's owned to their own people and in particular Japanese pension funds. Whereas in the case of Greece, uh, they owe most of their money to foreigners and those foreigners are of course nervous about being repaid and have therefore, uh, that's then been reflected in the bond market and the bond prices of Greece are you know, plummeting to, to be almost worthless. So. Uh, the answer to the question of well, at what point does it become a crisis, the answer is actually no one really knows and that's why people are nervous um, about the rest of Europe at the moment because some countries are much more indebted than others. Spain, for example, and Italy. Italy is actually one of the most indebted countries on earth. Um, and of course, as the US, no one knows how much longer they can continue. I suspect the US will actually go on longer than uh, most of Europe, uh, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a big issue. Um, coming to the second issue is what do investors need to do? And that, what strategies do they need to adopt? And here is a, this is where the Bible um, gives so much wisdom to us. Um, one of my favourite passages is from um, the book of Ecclesiastes and it says, um, invest in seven ventures, yes in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So in other words, uh, if you went and saw it, typical financial planner these days, one of the first things they would say to you is that you need to diversify your money. What they wouldn't be aware of is that that was written thousands of years ago in the Bible. Um, and that is really, really good advice, um, particularly in these turbulent times. Uh, take Australia, for example. One of the things that's going to impact Australia is our currency has obviously um, fallen substantially over the last 12 months, or really two years, from uh, $1 against the US to now about 68 cents or thereabouts. So that will have a flow-on effect. And that's also one of the reasons why uh, it is actually wise to invest globally rather than just locally, because that way you're getting exposure to other currencies, particularly the US dollar, which is much, much stronger than ours, particularly at the moment. So that principle, though, of diversifying should be absolutely front and centre in people's minds. Um, you know, one of the things that worries me in Australia is the uh, home ownership obsession or the property investment obsession. And so many people are very leveraged into residential real estate, often just one property uh, and fully geared at 100% almost, if not at least that. And therefore, if house prices were to fall, they've got no diversification whatsoever and they've got a large debt thing as well. So there's some of the issues, and really the second principle there is debt. Um, you know, the Bible offers us such great advice about debt. It, it warns us that debt may lead to slavery. So uh, 
in turbulent times, my strong view is uh, Christians should really minimise their exposure to debt. Uh, try and live a debt-free lifestyle as much as possible. Okay, want well, to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation. You might have a question that you'd like to ask Alex Cook, founder and executive director of Wealth with Purpose. We are talking about biblical kingdom uh, financial uh, investment today and uh, having talked through some of these issues, the challenges that the whole world faces, you might be thinking, well, what do I do with my property? Uh, what do I do with shares? Uh, the currency uh, seems to be dropping, as uh, Alex was saying. You might have your own thoughts about how you invest. Well, our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. That's one eight hundred. 316-316. You can be part of our conversation today. Alex Cook, our guest from Wealth With Purpose. Alex, if we can just stay on this issue of diversification for a few moments uh, and also talk about uh, whether your time of life has any sort of bearing on that because uh, sometimes I, I hear that uh, diversification is good as you get older, but uh, when you're younger, you can afford to take risks. Uh, any thoughts on age and diversification? Absolutely. No, it's a great question. Uh, the general principle with that is that the younger you are, the more exposure you would have to growth assets. And growth assets are assets that tend to be more volatile. So, for example, uh, share investments or property they tend to fluctuate more in value, whereas uh, income assets, such as things like bonds or term deposits, tend not to fluctuate as much in value. They can fluctuate, um, certainly bonds can, uh, but not as much as, say, a, a share market investment that could fall very substantially. I mean, uh, we saw in the global financial crisis, blue-chip companies in Australia fell 55%. So where age comes into it is that Someone who's, say, 25 years of age, if they uh, lost a lot of money in the share market, they've still got a 40-year career um, to earn that money back, if you like, now, and, and also to wait for it to recover. Whereas someone who's, say, 70 years of age, to have, uh, you know, let's say a silly amount, let's say you had 100% of your money in the share market, if we went into a you know, serious recession uh, and those investments were to, f to fall substantially, you'd be potentially in a risky situation of having to sell some of them in order to fund your retirement. So your age very much affects um, the percentage that you would have in growth assets versus income-type assets. Um, for most people, irrespective of age, you actually do need to have a bit of a balance between, between them all, um, but the balance will be much more, if you like, aggressive for a younger person and much more conservative for an older person. That's the the general rule of thumb. We are talking about investing this hour, investing God's way in turbulent times. Our guest is Alex Cook. Our talkback line open on one 316 316 Let's take a call from Katrina in Victoria. Hello, Katrina. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Katrina, what are your thoughts or do you have a question for Alex? Oh, just a question for Alex, please. Um, I'm 52. My husband's 58. We're looking at um, just talking about buying an investment property in Melbourne and um, just wondering what your thoughts are on that, Alex. Yeah, great question. Thanks, Katrina. Look, um, generally speaking, um, the, 
there are different views out there on, on, on real estate, particularly, and it must, I must say it, bear, uh, it differs from market to market. So real estate in, say, Melbourne to Sydney and so forth will vary. However, one thing that I think is very obvious, house prices in Australia are at very high levels relative to what people earn. Uh, and that, to me, suggests that house prices are too high uh, and will ultimately have to come down at some point. Uh, Australia has benefited from a lot of foreign money coming in. Uh, I was chatting to a mortgage broker about uh, two or three weeks ago and he was telling me that roughly 25% of new house sales, so if you're thinking about buying a new property, one that's just been built, roughly 25% of those in Melbourne are going to foreigners, for example. Um, So that's what's partially keeping our market uh, elevated. Uh, In saying that, um, if you are going to go down the path of buying uh, real estate, my, the best advice I can give you is to borrow as little money as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so most people, when they're buying residential real estate for an investment, they usually have to borrow a fair bit of money simply because of the, you know, the, the substantial capital involved in buying a property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my advice is try and avoid borrowing if you can. Um, and if you do borrow, try and borrow as little as, as possible. Um, because the risk is that uh, prices do fall and then you still have the same level of debt. So let's just make up an example. Let's say you bought a property for 500000 and you borrowed four hundred, and let's say the, the housing market slumped 20% in Australia, all of a sudden you owe 400000 and the property's only worth 400000 So that's when negative gearing, which is a very popular thing in Australia, that's when it works against you. Um, so negative gearing is one of these things that Australians historically have loved, but it only works when house prices are rising. If house prices go into reverse, it actually works against you. Um, so people also get they get obsessed by tax deductions because if you're buying to invest, you get a potential tax deduction on the interest. Um, that attracts a lot of people into buying real estate and buying money. Um, I want to suggest that uh, whatever you buy, you should always buy on the basis that it's a good, sound investment, not on the basis uh, that you get a tax benefit. That should always be a, you know, a secondary or third concern. So there's, a, there's a few tips, but certainly um, my only advice is be very cautious uh, on the Australian housing market from the point of view of investing. Thank you very much. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation. We're talking with Alex Cook, the founder and executive director of Wealth With Purpose, equipping Christians to honour God with their finances and teaching sound financial planning skills. Well, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Uh, Alex, uh, let's talk about some of these Christian investment principles. Uh, can you identify uh, these easy to identify? Can you sort of write a little dot point list, say the top three or the top ten? Uh, when you talk about uh, Christian sure. investment principles, how do you, how do you go about that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, one, one we've already covered off was the diversification one, so that's the first one. The second one, um, in order to actually invest, you need to first start by saving. So the Bible actually talks about um, setting money aside um, for the future, and that's the, the, probably the, the core one. If you don't save, then you've got nothing to invest. Um, the third thing is being patient. When it comes to investing, 
Uh, one of the classic mistakes I saw this, particularly when I was a stockbroker, where everything is very um, fairly instantaneous, and the kind of people you're dealing with are people who are trying to make money relatively quickly, is people lose a sense of patience. They uh, they get caught up in the uh, what I call the 24/7 news cycle, and they uh, want to make investment decisions on a, a basis that's far too regular. And so they become very impatient. You know, as soon as something goes up a little bit, they want to sell it and buy the next thing, rather than just holding something and allowing uh, time to do the work. Um, so being patient is another one. Um, actually, I'll tell you another one that's interesting that doesn't get talked a lot about, um, and this is particularly for uh, listeners that are married. One of the common mistakes I saw was when people uh, invested money that uh, they had as a couple, but they didn't tell their spouse what they were going to do with it. Um, and often this happens not by anything sinister, but because one spouse is the one that's more interested in money than the other one, and therefore that spouse is making all the investment decisions, and the other one gets told about it you know, once a year, and it just happens to come up over dinner. Um, I want to suggest that one of the most important things you can do if you're married and you're dealing uh, with investments is that you talk about those investments and agree on each investment before you actually put any money into them. Because one of the things that uh, can often happen is that even though one partner may technically be that little bit more investment savvy or business savvy, if you like, it's quite often that the non-business one often comes up with something quite unique and a, another way of looking at something and can often present uh, a good reason not to invest in something. You know, I'm a great believer that God uh, puts us uh, men and women together for a reason, to complement each other and to balance out our decisions. And when investing uh, comes into it, it is extremely important that both uh, spouses know what you're investing in and actually agree to in advance because it can cause all sorts of um, marital problems and stress if you both haven't bought in to the particular investment concept that you're, you're, you're pursuing or the particular investment product and so forth. So spouse involvement is another great principle. Um, probably the last one I'd share though is planning and research. Um, these days, uh, with all the advertising, we get bombarded with investment ideas and things like that. Uh, but it's very important uh, to actually plan, uh, in other words, come up with a, a strategy that you're going to follow over the next 10, 20, 30 years and do proper due diligence and research on anything that you put your money into and make sure you have a genuine understanding of what that investment does. Um, there's a great passage in the Bible from Luke. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? And the principle here, of course, is that you need to sit down and plan. Plan and research before you put any money into any investment. doesn't matter if it's shares or real estate. Make sure you actually plan and do proper, thorough research rather than getting caught up in emotion and rather than uh, getting caught up in what people are telling you. Because everyone will tell you something different and it's most important that you truly understand what it is that you're investing uh, money in. Because as a steward, so we're stewarding God's money, uh, we need to make sure that we've done the proper due diligence as we manage the money on God's behalf.
Alex Cook is our guest from Wealth With Purpose. The Wealth With Purpose website is wealthwithpurpose.com. Uh, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jason in Melbourne. Hello, Jason. Welcome along to 2020. to your guests. Jason, thank you very much. Uh, do you have a question or a I'd comment? I'd like to make a point. Sure. I'd like some advice. Um, remember, I think it was Proverbs that says, some, a scripture that says the money is God's and we're being blessed with it. And I believe we should, I agree with you, our guests, that we need to be stewards of everything that God gives us. And I'd like to say to you or to new listener that I recruited by the name of Chris, who's a policeman who works in Richmond, who, who I recruited today to Vision Christian Radio. Sure, yep. And I invited you, Neil, to Melbourne. All oh, right, okay. Weekend, <laughs> if you would like, I... Jason, yes, I'd, I'd thank you very much for that. And uh, for listeners, uh, you're being baptised this weekend, Jason. That's the yes, case, is it? That's right, Neil. Okay, well, uh, congratulations on that. And, uh, you know, my encouragement to you as you go through those waters of baptism, uh, that is a real reflection of... Uh, what's going on on the insides uh, being shown to all of those who'll be at that baptism of what is going on on the outside as well. And Jason, and I uh, hope you'll be able to come if you're able to this weekend. If not, don't worry. I will be an apology. But, uh, but Jason, uh, God's richest blessing on you as you go through the waters of baptism and that, uh, that obedience that you have to Christ. I'm sure God is going to really bless you. I know, and I thank you for the work Vision does and what it's done for me. And I hope... Many more people come to know your station and know Jesus through it. And thank you for your wonderful guests and your wonderful programming. Jason. Next Wednesday is my eighth year since I came, seventh, seventh year since I came to the seventh year since I came to the Lord, October the 14th, 2008. Very good. Jason, you, just oh, wonderful to hear from you. Uh, Jason from Melbourne, and uh, I was only responding to his email earlier this morning. He did raise one important point there, which I'll get your comment on, uh, Alex, and uh, he was talking about stewardship, uh, that we are stewards of what God has given to us, and sometimes we think that uh, all our money is just our money, and uh, that's where I guess, you know, hoarding these things to ourselves uh, can become a real issue for us as Christian believers, but stewardship is about uh, treating our money the way God has given to us our money. Absolutely. Look, I think one of the greatest revelations for me that came to me a number of years ago was when I, it dawned on me that um, through reading the Word that the, the money that God, the money that I had, including the business at the time I had my own financial planning business, you know, I worked very hard and you often fall into this very uh, uh, trap that uh, I've worked hard for it, it's my money. That's the, that's the trap that many people fall into as Christians. Um, but the truth is the Bible talks about the fact that Everything we have comes from God, and in fact, it talks about with wealth, it talks about the ability to gain wealth comes from God as well. So even if you've been given the gift of the ability to make money in business, uh, that skill and gifting has come from God himself. So we must always be humble about how he came came across the money rather than saying, hey, look at me, I worked hard for it. It's actually, you know, that blessing is, is from God. But with that blessing, of course, comes a great responsibility. Um, and I like that passage that says, too much is given, much is expected. And if we've been blessed, and certainly if you live in Australia, uh, you've been blessed sometimes, it's with a little, sometimes it's with a lot. But whether you've been blessed with a little or a lot, um, we're called to use that money in such a way that honours God, 
uh, that advances his kingdom. Yes, he wants to, to bless us, but he wants to bless through us in order to change the world and make the world a better place. And most importantly, obviously, share the gospel uh, around the world. And so that's what we should have in mind uh, when we're investing our money and just handling our money, even not even just investing, but just handling your money on a day-by-day basis, uh, that you have that principle in mind, that you are looking after it on behalf of the God of the universe who loves you. It's Neil with you, 2020, our Tuesday edition. Our special guest this hour is Alex Cook from Wealth With Purpose. We're talking about investing God's way in turbulent times. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Alex, let's continue to take some calls from listeners. Linda is in Perth. Hello, Linda. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, hi, Greg. Thanks very much. Linda, do you have a question for Alex? Well... I don't know if it's a question or a comment or whatever. I'm listening to it and I'm, uh, I can relate to everything Alex is saying. My husband and I have uh, been very successful investing over the last 10 to 15 years in um, negative gearing property. I've got shares. And I guess there's been times where I've like um, struggled a bit with shares in particular or investing maybe in general and thinking, is this like gambling or something? Because I don't have a degree in business, so... I've picked shares on my reading thinking, well, these look good, this looks like a good investment. And I sort of think sometimes, gee, this is a bit like gambling. I'm putting my money in and hoping I make a return kind of thing. And we have done fairly well out of it. But I guess um, now that we've done well, I'm like, okay, what is the purpose? What is, you know, um, I think as a Christian, I think sometimes people maybe look at me and go, well, what, what is all this money that you're making? What are you doing with it? And I suppose um, the title of this, Wealth with Purpose, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, what is the purpose? Um, what sort of advice can Alex give me as to, you know, how I'm feeling about this and what to do with it, where to go with it kind of thing? Alex? Great. Look, that's a great question. Thanks, Linda. Um, look, I'm, I'm a great believer here that God's blessed you with that wealth and the question, mm. of course, is then what do you do with it? So... I think that the question is, what has God put on your heart? What are the things um, that you feel particularly passionate about that will help advance his kingdom? So we're to use uh, the money that he's blessed us to fund all sorts of things. So one is funding, obviously, your local church. Mm-hmm. One could be funding, you know, global mission. Um, one thing that's often over- overlooked, in, particularly these days in a wealthy country like Australia, where poverty is not so obvious as, say, here in South America, um, but is, is helping the poor. I mean, there's more than 900 passages of Scripture that talk about the need to help the poor, and we certainly have a, a world in great need. So there's all sorts of different ways that you can use that money. Now, it may well be that, um, A, you maybe you sell some of it and give some of it. Now, that will depend on how much you have. Or alternatively, it may well be that you use the income stream from those assets. So, for example, if you've got shares that are paying the dividends or you've got uh, a property that's paying you rent, rather, if you don't need that money because perhaps you're still working or so forth or it's producing excess income, maybe you use that income and you give some of that away. Um, and use that to fund things that God's put on your heart. Um, either way, the question to sort of that I'd want to leave you with to ponder is, what's the eternal purpose of the money that God's blessed us with? Because um, the, the realities that we all face, and the Bible says, you know, we come into this world naked and we leave the world naked. In other words, uh, everything we have is very temporary. Um, and the question is, 
what are we going to do with it in that time? In that short time we have here, uh, do we just keep building it or do we actually uh, you know, give, give it away? Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that you give every cent away. That's not the point. It's more just the point is what is the eternal purpose of that money and where should you be directing that money? Where is God uh, leading you? What things is he calling you to fund? What are the things? And you know what? The thing that will come out of it is an amazing joy of partnering with God to, to change the world in some way. Now, maybe a little, maybe a lot, but either way, you're partnering with God with the money that he's blessed you with um, and to fund uh, things that are important um, to you and, and, of course, that are on God's heart. Yeah, because I guess initially when we, you know, started investing, it was always the case of, okay, well, we're looking to our future because it's superannuation such it's such a big thing in Australia. You've got to have superannuation. You've got to, you know, save for the thing. And my mm. husband's not very big on um, putting money into super because he sees there's too many rules and regulations. So it was sort of like, okay, well, we'll invest yep. and we'll, you know, do things outside of super so we can set ourselves up for retirement. But... Um, it's a, I guess it's a matter of knowing, well, how much do you need for retirement and when is enough enough kind of thing? And that's where I'm at at the moment, I suppose. So um, I suppose it's time Look, to it's see a great... financial planner or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, well, firstly, I would encourage you to do that, but it's actually a great question of how much is enough. Um, and I think the way I say that it's people to think about this is ask yourself, what is the lifestyle that you think God wants you to have? Um, and, and work out how much that costs. Now, depending on where you live and the socio-demographic and all those sort of things, it will vary from person to person. And I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong. I think there's something that you need to, uh, you know, to, to go to God with and say, God, what is the appropriate lifestyle for my husband and I? Um, and then work out how much that lifestyle costs. Um, from, from that, once you know how much it costs, you can then work out how much capital you would need um, to fund, uh, fund retirement. Um, and if that amount is uh, higher than what you, as in the amount you've already got is higher than what you need, then you might want to then say, right, okay, we've got excess, we've got an abundance. What can we do with that excess if we don't need that to fund our retirement because we've got more than enough? Um, so it's just trying to set that realistic parameter as to what you really need um, to live a, you know, a comfortable lifestyle or the lifestyle that you, know, you feel God's calling you to. Uh, and then using the surplus um, to fund his kingdom. That's, it's just trying to find that balance. But you, you do need to get a hold of how much you're actually going to need um, to live on in retirement. Um, and I also said to people is not to think so much about the word retirement. The ret word retirement, you won't find it in the Bible. It's a, it's a fairly modern Western Day uh, concept. Um, but rather than thinking about retirement, is aiming to be financially independent, but God-dependent. So what I mean by that is... Ultimately, uh, it's wise to own your own home and have, have sufficient assets uh, to fund the period in your life when you're no longer working or where you're unable to work. Um, whether you work until the day you drop or whether you do part-time will vary from person to person. But rather, it's more about saying, right, how can I achieve financial independence? Uh, and once I've done that, how do I give away all that excess to, you know, to advance God's kingdom? So there's some, some ideas for you. Linda from Perth, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 Alex Cook, our guest. And we're talking through issues today, investing God's way in turbulent times. Continuing to take some calls, Jim is in Kyabram. Hello, Jim. Welcome along to 2020. 
Yeah, g'day, Neil. How are you going? Very Hi, good, Alex. Jim. What are your thoughts, or do you have a question for Alex? Um, I've, got, I've got a bit of a testimony, but I'm interested in Alex's feedback. Um, I recently read a book by a guy called Al Jandel. I don't know if um, Alex knows him, but he talked about the storehouse principle, and that's about uh, building a financial security in your life. And I'd never heard this teaching before, but it's based on De- Deuteronomy 28, 8, where it says that and, uh, God will bless our storehouses. Um, and I'd never... I thought of the storehouse. I've been trying for many years to try and get ahead and just putting having money going into a bank account. But after reading the book, it said, no, you, you call your bank accounts a storehouse. And he uses the principle, our father God, he, he wants us to bring a tithe to fill up his storehouse. And, and Joseph did that before, mentioned it before Malachi, where he, he set up storehouses to save Egypt. And the long-term plan was he ended up feeding his own family. He saved a nation, Egypt, at that time, by, by keeping 5%, but he also managed to feed his own family, so he left a legacy. But the storehouse principle is something you commit to, and what happens is once you commit to it, you then enable God to bless you, because he won't bless our needs or our wants, but he will bless our storehouses. So to have storehouses set up and acknowledge them before God, I had to repent that I, I hadn't seen it before and started to do it, but I have seen a change. Ever since I started saying my bank account is now a storehouse, because these guys not only are the ministers, some of them are just lay people, normal, uh, everyday people like myself who just go to church, regular and, and, and uh, not really sure how to handle their finances, can invest money into a storehouse and then God only wants us to pay with cash because we're not meant to get into debt. And that's what the testimony of all these people in, the, in this Al Jandel's book is. Good. Jim, let's, let's get a few thoughts yeah. from Alex. Alex, uh, have you heard of Al Jandel and, and your thoughts on the idea of a storehouse? Yeah, look, I haven't heard of that particular book. Um, I have heard of people mentioning that the storehouse sort of principle before. Um, what I actually like is actually a, a, a slightly different take from the New Testament. I love uh, Jesus' words when he says, uh, seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. In other words, I think the, the priority for a Christian uh, in, in your total life, so not just in, in the finance side of it, but in your total life, is that you put his kingdom first, and that should be the focus of our attention. Um, and then when we do that, um, God will take care of the rest in terms of uh, blessing us and looking after us and making sure our needs are met. Um, so I think that it's a slightly different way of looking at it. In terms of the the idea of storehouse and thinking about your bank account that way. Certainly, I think there's probably some good principles in that and the need to save and build up uh, and build up reserves. So I always talk to people, for example, about building up an emergency fund so that way if a rainy day comes, such as a recession, and you lose your job, you've got money set aside um, to meet those needs. Um, as I say, I'm not familiar with that particular book, but certainly it sounds like there's some pretty good uh, concepts in there. Jim from Kyabram, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's take a call from Russell in Slacks Creek in Queensland. Hello, Russell. Welcome along Hello, to 2020. Hello, Neil. How are you? Um, what I'm ringing for, signs and wonders were following a praise club for what I'm about to say. A person came in to me. They needed food, so I went to my freezer, got it out, give it to them, no problems, gave them some money and that. 
Anyway, another person came in, they wanted food, so I went back to my freezer and pulled out another heap of food and giving them money and that. My friend's standing there, he said, but you're on the pension. I said, yeah, but it's God, not me. Anyway, I thought, I'd better go back and see how much food I've got to put. It was full. I praise God. Another time I left to go about 10 kilometres, I think it was, I just filled my car up and I'm going to do an outreach for the Lord, right? Normally the petrol does me all week, but when I was going, and as I was going, the gauge is dropping. When I nearly got to my destination, the tank's on empty, nearly. And the Lord said to me, what are you going to do when it gets too empty? And you run out? I said, look, I'll go as far as I can and I'll get out and I'll walk home. The gauge that's got above empty, and I'm driving it around week after week on an empty tank of petrol. I praise God. You know, you, you're stewarded everything as you said, money and all that. God honours it. My money goes into the bank of heaven, not mine, into God. Here's my money, Lord. You've got it. What do I do? Fabulous. Russell, a good story. And if I just get a quick comment from Alex. Alex, uh, the expectation that God is going to do the miraculous when we need him. Uh, how much does the miraculous and the expectation of God's provision uh, when it comes to our financial planning? Yeah, that's, look, it's a great question. Look, the fact of the matter is we serve a supernatural God and a God of abundance and a God who can provide. I think um, sometimes in our society these days where we try and rationalise everything, we often discount uh, the miraculous when, in fact, God can... You know, I think of um, when Jesus said to one of the disciples, you know, go to the, go to the river and uh, the first fish you uh, have... That you pick up, well, you pull out there'll be a silver coin in there that you can use to pay the taxes. You know that's something completely miraculous, and uh, there's no reason why that can't happen today. So I think um, we should never discount the supernatural uh, nature of of the God that we serve. I mean, I think that's amazing. Um, and for each of us, we'll all have different stories um, about that. I mean, I've certainly got plenty of stories in my own life of just strange things that have, uh, have happened. Um, the classic example I'll use uh, for myself at the moment was with Wealth of Purpose. I sold my financial planning business to uh, set up Wealth of Purpose and uh, using uh, my own capital and reserves to, to fund the establishment of it. Um, about a year into it, obviously my finances, I was spending it to maintain my, my family, my wife and three children, but also... Um, uh, you know, to, to create uh, this, this organisation. And anyway, um, by God's grace, I was then approached by the company that sold mine um, completely out of the blue, saying, hey, look, we really liked working with you. Can you uh, come back and consult to us and help us out? Now, the immediate impact of that uh, was the fact that um, I now all of a sudden had a new source of income whilst I was getting wealth of purpose going off and getting it off the ground. And that, to me, was God's supernatural provision uh, for me personally. So God can uh, provide in ways that we just never think is possible. We don't even contemplate it and all of a sudden something strange happens and you know God's provided for you. So the answer is absolutely uh, God can provide. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Good to have you along with us. We're talking about finance, investing this hour, investing God's way in turbulent times. 
Uh, time for another quick call. John is in Abergarry in North Queensland. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, hello, mate. John, do you have a question or do you have a comment? I just got a comment that um, I've been a Christian for 36 years now. Um, not always smooth, smooth sailing, but when you run into a into a problem that you can't explain or understand or a death or something, you block it out and move on, trusting in Christ alone. And as far as the finances go, tithing plus. And I've always had plenty. That's all. What a fabulous comment to make. John from Abergarry in North Queensland, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Uh, running a little short of time, uh, just to pick up on one thing that, uh, Alex, uh, these last couple of callers that we've had, we've been talking about miraculous provision uh, when that's needed. Uh, the miraculous, wonderful to rely upon, but uh, the miraculous hand-in-hand hand with wise financial planning. How do you uh, talk about uh, you know, the way that those two work together? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I think, um, as, as Christian, as being a good steward, God's given us the um, the ability to actually think through the various issues that we face. And the pra- we need to, as much as we focus on God's ability to provide for us, we still need to do things His way. So the basic thing for personal finance, for example, is doing a budget, knowing where your money's going, setting aside money for the future, both in terms of emergency. See, a lot of people uh, get themselves into hot water and, and then become very dependent on supernatural provision when perhaps God actually just wanted them to save and put money aside in the first place to prevent that problem from ever occurring. Um, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the need to plan ahead, but also to prepare for the fact that, um, you know, uncertain things happen in the future. That's the nature of life, we never know what may happen in the future. And therefore, we need to practically prepare by doing sensible things such as budgeting, getting advice, um, and preparing for the future, diversifying, all those sorts of things uh, that are, are good, sound uh, investment principles on top of uh, you know that dependence on God. Alex, uh, your uh, organisation Wealth With Purpose, established in Australia, I mentioned you're sharing your time, you're living in Argentina and in Australia at different times through the year. We're on the phone right now from Buenos Aires in South America. Uh, you've got some uh, some expansion that's coming up into North America and just uh, perhaps a couple of weeks away. When people go to your website, Wealth With Purpose, uh, what is the one that you'd say uh, for most listeners uh, to get a hold of in these courses and these teaching programs that talk about uh, the wisdom of God when it comes to investing? Yeah, look, our, probably the best thing for people if they're interested in personal finance is to come along to our site, particularly in a few weeks when we relaunch a new version with all our courses online, is a course called Financial Freedom. And Financial Freedom uh, is an eight-module course designed to teach you what the Bible says about money, so you get the good biblical principles, but then it teaches you the practical principles so you can actually apply that in your uh, day-to-day walk. Uh, we also have life stage courses, depending on where you're at, young adults, uh, married couples, and a pre-retirement one called Retirement Revolution. And for those people who are more interested in investing, we have one called uh, Christian Investing. So that's where we teach more about shares and property and uh, entrepreneurialism. 
then we have courses for businesses. So we have those who are Christian uh, business owners who are really wanting to use their business not only to grow and make profit, but to actually really uh, advance God's kingdom. So we have courses that are really uh, teaching typical business skills, but with that kingdom-minded uh, element to it. And then the very last area is we help church leaders, and we help church leaders to take their members on a journey of generosity. So helping those churches really to fry, thrive. Alex, I'm going to um, need to cut you short here, but I want to give off. the website. It's wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex Cook, uh, just great hearing from you today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.